BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Uh, welcome back to Heard Tell. Okay, I'm so excited to talk to this guy because he's been a friend for a good long time. It's also his fault to have a podcast. We'll tell you that story some other day. Uh, he is now with the Consumer Choice Center. You know those folks. They've been on this program many, many times. We love working with them. He's got a great book out. We'll make sure we bring that up in a minute. Mostly, he's just a really good guy. Also, games on occasion. We'll get into that in a second. Stephen Ken, how are you, sir? Very good, Andrew. Nice to be back on the show. Great to see you. Real quick, let folks know that because um, they haven't seen you in a bit, you're now with the Consumer Choice Center doing stuff. Then you wrote the book. You got a lot of stuff going. Just real quick, introduce yourself to folks that haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I'm a I'm a media professional and political writer. I used to uh, run media and PR for Young Voices, uh, an organization with your which your listeners should be uh, quite familiar. I, I used to be in sort of consulting for helping people start podcasts. I think that led to the birth of this show, which is pretty exciting. And now I'm the head of media for the Consumer Choice Center. So uh, helping our advocates and writers all around the world speak to different media outlets and larger audiences about, you know, our, our fight against the nanny state, government micromanaging every aspect of your life and trying to make decisions for you. In addition to that, I'm also sort of a self-help and philosophy writer, and it led me to writing, uh, you know, my true baby, How the Force Can Fix the World, Lessons on Life, Liberty, and Happiness from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's just sort of my love letter to Star Wars as a, a guide to living well. And uh, I, I've, I'm still out and talking about that book all the time. As you should. It's great. I've got it right here. I actually got my copy in a bookstore and it's just really cool to buy a book from somebody, you know, in the bookstore in the wild, just accidentally find mm -hmm. it. That's really cool. And I appreciate it. It's a great book. We'll talk about the the stuff you do with that in just a little bit. Um, also, I know from the Young Voices Day, he's telling the truth. He sent me, he's like, have you thought about being Young Voices? I was like, I'd love to be in Young Voices. And he's like, oh, you're too old. And then a couple of weeks later, we figured <laughs> down the road a little bit, we figured out, he's like, oh, well, you just need a podcast. Steven, I don't have a podcast. Like, well, just go make one. I'm like, okay. So here we all are, big, happy family. That's that's the simple the simple advice. Like, just go just go make one. Just do it. Just go make uh, one. But it worked yeah, out. Young, voice, young you. voices gets older and older every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I I had to go to alumni status because we were really pushing um, 
we were pushing credulity there, but a great organization, very proud. And I get to publicly thank you for what you've done for me in my career doing all this writing and media stuff. So thank you very much, sir. Um, let's put your consumer choice hat on real quick, though. You've been writing a lot about the FTC, Federal Trade Commission. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get tickled a little bit because here's the problem. I, I know we all just, there's a lot of folks that just want to eliminate every government. Say, well, you can't do that. You need them for something. The FTC has a role. They have an important job if they were doing it correctly. The current leadership is not doing it correctly. The current leadership is busy losing court cases. They're 0 for 4 on antitrust specifically. Let's start with the nomenclature, though, because you've been covering this quite a bit over the last few months. Every time a big company buys another big company, that is not automatically antitrust and or monopoly. Those are the two words that get thrown around on social media a lot. Those have very specific legal definitions. However, you start putting ideology on it. You start putting politics on it. You start putting things Congress wants to do like control big tech, like control AI, like control gaming. All of a sudden, those words start getting used as a cudgel. So let's just start with the nomenclature. What is and isn't antitrust and monopolies, and why is it getting abused by this particular leadership group at the FTC? Yeah, well, just to keep it simple for anybody listening, you know, antitrust and monopoly concerns really present themselves when corporate mergers and acquisitions, corporate expansion, the size of a company, begins to pose a threat to competition in the marketplace for any particular industry in a way that might hurt consumers. So just a hypothetical example, since everybody was very uh, familiar with the vaccines of Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson, right? So a bunch of the, the big pharma heads. If all of these companies were to merge under the Pfizer banner, all three of those big competitors, and then be one big super company, uh, you would all of a sudden have an incredible lack of competition at the highest levels of pharma. You would have an ability for that company to ring up their prices because there's no other company offering lower prices for the same drugs and services. Uh, And this kind of practice has happened throughout history, whether it be from oil uh, and the big oil industry to communications, phones and telecoms to now there's a lot of discussion about antitrust and monopoly when it comes to the big social media companies or big tech. Um, so that is really what a, a antitrust or monopoly concern is. There has to be a lack of competition created that hurts consumers for it to be legitimate. Now, let's take this example of the most recent case you were talking. Look, you're a gamer you somehow have time in your busy schedule to actually still play games. I don't. I don't know how you do that. But Microsoft bought out Activision Blizzard. Blizzard's a big name in gaming. Activision, I'm old enough to remember when those were on the Atari cartridges. Yes, I'm that old. Mm -hmm. Microsoft is obviously one of the big tech companies in the entire world. Is, was there any version of this where it wasn't just, oh, Microsoft's involved, we got to step in and make a scene out of this? Because that's kind of how it felt, because there's no way by the definition this was anywhere close to being antitrust or a monopoly. They went after this as an antitrust. Just the size of the gaming, the slice of the pie in the gaming industry, this wasn't even close mm-hmm. to being an antitrust issue. It's just a big multi-billion dollar merger. But Microsoft's kind of the biggest dog on the block. And when you have people that want to weaponize government, They tend to attack the biggest dogs on the block, Walmart, Amazon, Microsoft. That's how it looked on the outside. Do you think there's credence to that criticism? Uh, I absolutely do. Biden 
picked a FTC chair in Lena Khan, a 33, 34-year-old Yale graduate who has a long track record of arguing in her, her briefs at Yale and throughout legal school, uh, law school that uh, antitrust law is, is too small-minded, that it needs to be expanded in scope to encompass not just consumer harms and competitive threats, but just broadly the role of corporations in society. Uh, Lena Khan, atop the FTC, is somebody who is enacting Biden's desire to see the corporate sector knocked down a peg, whether or not it, it, it comports to federal law around antitrust. You know, people who think about the, the society like this, they really believe that there needs to be a heavily managed balance of power between the government and the private sector. And so Lena Khan's job, as it has been described by her, is to kneecap the corporation even when they are in compliance with law. So Microsoft is acquiring Activision Blizzard. Again, several billion dollar deal. Activision Blizzard makes video games, Candy Crush and Call of Duty. Microsoft, not really so much. They're a console maker. So they are acquiring the video game maker and the developers and bringing them underneath their umbrella where they make the Xbox. Now, Xbox only represents a, a small sliver of the console market globally. The big dog in the house is Sony PlayStation, who has a 70% market share internationally. I'm going to underline that again. 70% market share internationally, Sony PlayStation. The rest is between Nintendo and Xbox. So the idea that was ever an antitrust or consumer threat or a competitive harm by this acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Xbox was... Uh, purely imaginary, and that's why they lost very sorely in court in San Francisco when they brought forward an antitrust federal lawsuit against Microsoft. things Stephen Kent joining us we're talking about the FTC a little bit here you know we especially folks on the right I'm guilty of it too we just bash government constant there's a lot of really um, good people that work in government there's a lot of really competent people that work in government we focus on the bad ones because we should you pointed it out though traditionally the FTC has been a pretty good organization when it goes to court they have something like a 74 75 percent win rate when they go to court historically they usually know what they're doing when they bring these cases mm -hmm. chair Khan however and the, the sign the placard of the hearing I was watching says chair Khan for you know chairwoman Khan and I start thinking tailspin and sheer Khan and I'm like well no he'd be really uh -huh. good in that job actually right <laughs> Lena Khan you know, with all due respect to her, she's 0 for 4 now. You just brought it up. She's somebody who did a lot of theory on this, especially progressive theory. A lot of her writings, if you go back, she's written a lot about kind of the Gilded Age when corporations really did need to be reined in, right? The mm -hmm. 20s, the teens, when they really were just running roughshod over everybody. That's where she did a lot of her research. But now that research and her ideology is going to the actual courts and the actual laws, and she's 0 for 4. 
shouldn't someone and the Biden administration actually announced this past week they're going to put some new standards in place because they're starting to feel the criticism now. It's pretty obvious that the ideology and the theory of it is not matching the legal system as it exists today when you go 0 for 4 after having mm -hmm. a organization that has been pretty good about taking on there's some exceptions but overall historically pretty good about bringing suitable antitrust cases and needs to your organization yeah. is not called the corporate consumer center it's called the <laughs> consumer choice center because corporations do need reeled in by government occasionally yeah they absolutely do uh corporations do not always act in the best interests of consumers uh, they do have a sort of baked in incentive in the free market system to pursue value for their shareholders and that sometimes puts them at odds uh, with uh, what is best for the consumers on the ground and government has a role and that's why the FTC exists to enforce law and be able to make proper assessments of when consumer interests are harmed and when competition in the marketplace is harmed because a corporate merger is not always in the best interests of everyday people. Um, this just isn't one of those cases when it comes to Microsoft and the FTC. Um, you know, Lena Khan again, she has a strategy here, which is to lose in court at the consumer or at the taxpayer's expense and keep losing until Congress and the progressives in the, con in the Congress receive the message that the law needs to change. There is some intentionality here to bring in cases that she does not uh, have any chance of winning. And so that's kind of the, the really shocking part about this whole thing is there's not much evidence that the FTC ever thought that they were able to win or that these companies were actually in violation of the law. They are making a point extracting costs from Microsoft and from Activision Blizzard, basically acting as toll collectors, goblins under the bridge, making you pay a toll before you cross. And in this case, it is a toll to government for legal fees for you to expand the size and scope of your company. It's incredibly unethical. It should be illegal. Uh, and Lena Khan and the FTC need to be held accountable. Stephen Ken joining us. Now, this is interesting what you say because that's the enumerated power of Congress. They're supposed to have oversight over the executive and people like the FTC. They're supposed to be the ones that reel them in. They're the ones that are so, so if we had a functional Congress, which we do not have, I'll just go ahead and you know proffer that up front. They would be the ones reeling this in. But now you have her sitting in a congressional hearing recently, and they're talking about expanding it. They're talking about looking at defense stuff. They're talking about looking at, so not only are they, for lack of a better term, failing upward with their agenda with this stuff. Now they're talking about looking at defense stuff. They're talking about looking at telecommunication. They're trying the new thing from the White House is they want to put the FTC in charge of some of the AI regulations that they're pushing, although they <laughs> signed a voluntary agreement. We all know how jawboning works with government. Voluntary start, that's the first step in going to what they really want you to do later on. There's no version of this where this isn't a great expansion of the FTC and it's something that we should really pay close attention to, and nobody really seems to be. No, we should be paying close attention. The role of government needs to be held in check, and progressives and Congress, and currently in the White House and in these federal agencies, they are committed ideologues when it comes to the idea that these agencies should do more and be involved in every aspect of people's lives. You know, Lena Khan, one of her primary targets before she leaves office at the FTC, is to kneecap Amazon Prime and the ability of Amazon to provide cheap generic products for Prime members. I don't know about you, 
but I am not offended as a consumer when I go on to Amazon Prime Marketplace and Amazon prioritizes some of their cheap generic goods like batteries, right? I need I need a new uh, new slot of 20 AAA batteries. There's Duracells, there's Energizers, and Amazon will often put at the top of their listing the generic brand with Amazon's logo slapped across the top. This is actually Lena Khan's big target and a, a suit that is forthcoming. Uh, you should expect it by at least the end of this year. And their goal is to make Prime Day on Amazon Prime more expensive for consumers uh, for reasons that really remain unclear. Uh, there is plenty of competition on Amazon market, uh, but there is not really a consumer benefit in getting rid of generic goods. You know what the tell on this is, Stephen Ken joining us? We were joking about young voices. I'm, I'm 43, okay? I can take every argument against Amazon being made right now and apply it to Walmart in the 90s because it's the exact mm -hmm. same arguments. And it's mostly, the technology has changed, it's mostly the same arguments against big tech as well. It's the same because it's an ideologically based argument and it's not completely based. On I'm not saying Amazon doesn't need to be regulated because of their work practices. Absolutely, they do. All big companies will push the limit to the absolute extreme. That's not what I'm saying. But I heard mm -hmm. the same arguments about Walmart. It's the same. They pick the biggest dog on the block and they go after them for the ideological argument and the consumers get lost, you know, not to play the brand, but it is your brand. It's the consumer that gets lost when the government and these corporations get into these fights like this, especially when it's not over facts, but about an ideology and continuing an argument that's been going on for decades and decades. It is interesting how uh, on the left and right, there's been a lot of shuffle in who defends kind of these big businesses and, and who's adversarial to them. Of course, Republicans and Democrats trade places when it is advantageous for them. Uh, and you will see that Republicans and Democrats sometimes are on the same page when it comes to regulating big tech. And, you know, maybe that there, maybe there are future and present cases in which there needs to be regulation of big tech for some reason or another, but there needs to be a tangible reason, at least from my perspective, as to why everyday people are going to be hurt when it comes to their their pocketbooks and their well-being. Stephen can't join us. Okay, that's enough politics. Let's talk something positive. Um, you wrote the book. You've become kind of the Star Wars whisperer that bridges Star Wars and politics and life. And are you a guru yet? Do you have to get like a license to be a guru? You do this life advice stuff. Are you quite a guru There's yet? You're getting close. There's probably some kind of occupational license for uh, for Star Wars guruism, uh, and I, I hope to one day achieve it. But I've never found out who is the gatekeeper. So if someone could show me, that would be great. The book's great. I've got it. How the Force Can Fix the World. You've also started a different kind of podcast. You've had a couple different versions of podcasts. Beth, <laughs> Beltway Banthas, which I can't say because I don't do bees because I'm a hillbilly at heart. And then you had, you know, this is the way. Talk about the response to this because it's amazing it's like every time you take a step in that direction not just the star wars stuff because obviously that's a very fanatical fan base and it's built in but people really do want positive stuff to go along with understanding the culture and politics and current events and things like that and and some folks can find it silly that they find it in sci-fi but even if you go back and we've talked before, you go back to what George Lucas based Star Wars on, where he was looking at the old Kurosawa films and the serials and that sort of stuff that inspired him. 
there's a lot of universal principles in there of people just want positive stuff. And you've seemed to tap into that really, really well. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Beltway Banthas was my, you know, my my love of Star Wars and politics combined and allowed people to tune into the podcast and sort of get into the weeds of what the political messages of Star Wars really are. My new project on Substack is this is the way.substack.com where you know, I, I mine my favorite movies, TV shows, and books for insights on how to live a more virtuous and, and good and well-ordered life. The podcast extension of that just launched this week. It is called Walk the Way, and it is on anywhere you find podcasts, um, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, you can find Walk the Way, and, and it's basically just sort of a, a daily piece of advice on how you can live a better life, reminding you of some of your, your favorite stories. So today, we just produced an episode on how when you are going through life, you never know when you're going to be tested. You never know any situation that it might be an opportunity for you to live out some of your your professed morals and virtues. And, you know, I, I had an experience when I was at a conference a, a couple of days ago when I spent some time in an Uber with a stranger and I didn't know who this stranger was. And I didn't really put on my best face. I wasn't my best self. I wasn't warm. I wasn't really welcoming. I wasn't talkative when this person wanted to be talkative because I, I didn't know who this person was. And so I just didn't really feel like giving that piece of myself and that time. I was tired. Uh, and I left with a business card from that person only to find out a couple hours later that this person's kind of a big deal, <laughs> you know, kind of like a big CEO, someone who could really be, you know, helpful for me to know and, and to network with uh, in my career. And I wish that I had behaved a little bit better, honestly. It's not that I was bad, but it was that I wasn't my best. And I got home and I realized I've seen this before. It's in Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. When Luke goes to Dagobah and he's looking for Master Yoda and he comes across this little troll and Yoda is not telling him who he is. He's pretending to be a kooky local who just annoys Luke and bothers him and goes through his stuff. And Luke eventually loses his temper and is like, I, I want to see Yoda now. Take me to him. And Yoda goes, I can't train this boy. It was a test. It was a test in that moment to see if Luke could be graceful, if he could be patient, if he could be respectful of a person uh, when they were giving them their time. And I immediately connected those dots. I was like, all right, I kind of failed that test like Luke did. And so that's what we write about it. This is the way it's what we talk about on the walk the way podcast. So I hope people will check it out. Yeah, that was in an article you wrote called This is a Test, which was great and also has some wonderful imagery of whitewater rafting from someplace that I really love, too. There was another one that you did recently I wanted to ask you about, though, because it hit home with me. Uh, you wrote Don't Go about the Indiana Jones movie. And people can have their opinions on the Indiana Jones movie. But I, I remember when I read your piece about Don't Go and about how we deal with aging. And you've touched on this topic before with some other writing you've done. 
I remember the story they were talking about when they made this movie and they, they were trying to cut something because Harrison Ford was having trouble getting on and off the horse. And he finally just yelled at him and started because he's like, I'm an old man getting on and off the horse. Just let me get on and off the horse. I'm supposed to look like I struggle getting on and off the horse. Let me struggle with it. There's something in movies that bring and people do this to different things. And you talked about it a little bit. We don't deal well with the struggle. We like the struggle in air quotes when it's Ulysses or when it's some kind of epic journey. We don't do real good with the struggle in the little things in life like I can't move as fast as I used to. Or when I get out of bed, I got to stretch for five minutes before I try to go anywhere because I'm in my 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, and I don't want to hurt myself. We don't do good talking about those little struggles, but those are the struggles we actually do every day. It's not the big epic, you know, Iliad Odyssey stuff. It's those little things. And you did some writing about that and that hit home with me with my own medical stuff. But that's the kind of stuff you talk about that I think folks really connect with because you don't hear folks talking about it enough. No, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I'm I'm glad you were able to resonate with that that perspective that I found from Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. It, you know, there are a lot of stories out right now about growing old and those stories have caused some negative feelings amongst fans of major franchises, whether it, you know, be Luke Skywalker and Han Solo in the newest Star Wars movies not being who they used to be, or Indiana Jones sort of being a little bit slower, a little bit more cranky, a little bit more this and that in the latest Dial of Destiny film. And I, I understand why people want to live in the past. And I understand why they want to see the heroes the way that they always were, but that's not like real like they are in fact old now and you're going to see different sides of them in those older years that they're meant to give you strength down the road when you need it there are older fans of these stories who see themselves in these heroes in their their gray beard years and they don't feel as spunky as they used to or optimistic as they once were when they were when they were younger heroes um and I think that we got to be like down for that journey that other people are on within uh, fan bases for these stories. And also just be ready for the fact that our bodies are going to slow down. Our minds are going to wither just a little bit, hopefully, uh, by time, you know, we conclude our time here on this earth. And I don't know. I just I like stories that are well-rounded and realistic like that. So I'm always looking for those kind of kernels of of wisdom and truth in, in movies and writing about that for this is the way yeah i am too i guess we're gonna have to get together and make an organization called middle-aged voices uh at some <laughs> point in here but um uh stephen kent love talking to you my friend we're gonna link to all this we're gonna link to his sub stack to the podcast to everything he's got going we'll get you an amazon link to the book which is available it's really good really recommended even if you're not a star wars yeah. fan i think you'll find a good bit of it stephen let folks know where they can find you where they can follow you and where they can get all that good stuff until we get you back on her tell again Two places, Twitter, Stephen underscore Kent89, and on Substack. You can find me at thisistheway.substack.com. Put in for a free subscription and, and keep up with the newsletter. Yeah, follow all that stuff. Consumer Choice Center has been friends of ours for a long time. Good working relationship with them. Excited to see what you do with that, handling all their media. So that means I get to see you more often now, my friend, and that's a good thing. Yes, sir. Stephen, thank you so much for the time. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. All the music on her tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com.
Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church in Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you.